entering the DGTC. Are you ready for a deep dive? And Jordan get most of the crap. Can't believe I said that. I've been doing this since 2008. What the fuck do I know? Drawing hands is like kryptonite. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's different. Uh, loading up elbow logos. Yeah, that's uh, for the show. <laughs> Welcome to the DGDC, a united team of design professionals creatively bound to bring unique inspiration and uncommon perspectives. You can email us listener questions or topic ideas to hello at dgdcpod.com or check out our website, dgdcpod.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram or Twitter at dgdcpod. Plus now you can join in on the conversation. We have a Facebook group. Just pop onto our website and hit the community tab at the top. Now on with the show. Hey guys, welcome back. We have such the coolest show. Uh, This one came out of a complete great surprise and connection through our friends at Adobe. And it's with a fellow, you might maybe heard of him, maybe you haven't. Well, if you haven't heard of him, you definitely used his work, if that hints at anything, which was a surprise to me, and I won't spoil it. It's in the episode, but you you definitely are familiarized. I guarantee his insight and wisdom is part of something you use every day. His name is Bert Monroy, and Bert is like this incredible American artist. He is best known as like one of the most first and foremost Photoshop experts. In fact, like he wrote the first book on Photoshop, and I'm like, like, like literally the probably first the book Bible, on right? Yeah. Exactly. And he was actually even intru- uh, inducted into the 2004 Photoshop Hall of Fame. Mm. And what's so cool about this was it was such a great conversation. The three of us like afterwards went like, man, we're going to have this guy back immediately because it was so good to talk about a program that in depth and with that much history. It was just such a great insight to um, his world and everything he does, right? Yeah. I mean, his his sort of accolades just speak for themselves. I mean, the man has been sort of influencing how we all design and how digital artwork actually like is represented in this whole industry. And like, you know, he's worked with people like Pixar, ILM, Apple. uh, And I just think the work if you haven't familiarized yourself with any of his work, you should just go as you listen to this episode, especially like follow along, see some examples. We dig into a couple of specifics, but yeah, you can go to his website and like, it's astounding. It's, it's like the most staggering artwork I've ever seen. Yeah. You would think a person that's been doing it this long could be resting a little on their morals and walking away and still writing books. He showed a, <laughs> The one, the one of the best is to look up is that we mentioned it a few times is the Times Square mural that oh. he did. And what was it? 17,000 layers or something like that? No, it man. Was, so I have these stats because yeah, <laughs> so the final Correct image, me. right, is 60 inches tall by 100 inches wide. And it contains seven, over 700,000 layers. And, <sighs> and all those layers, because it can't just be one file. So he separates it out into... That one in particular is like a hundred or no fifteen thousand uh, Photoshop and Illustrator files that make up My one image. Seven hundred thousand layers. It took him four years. Yeah, but- and he zooms in. You can zoom into the furthest back window, and there's he shows you the detail and the story about what's going on in that particular apartment or whatever. And it's just it's a level of stuff that you just kind of go, man. I needed to hear someone goes that level. <laughs> just to kind of get re-inspired, you know, after well, it's the year, kind of stuff where it's right? like he he's like it's like photorealism in the sense, but it's also not because like nothing's out of focus. There's no blurry background in the artwork. So like the reason why they're so big is because, yeah, you can look at a trash can six blocks up in Times Square, which maybe on the scale of your eye is like, you know, a dime. But you sure. can zoom in on that trash can and there's like an entire world around it. Like that's so great. Everything's tack sharp and there's just an unimaginable amount of detail and effort that goes into his work. I mean, it's yeah. it's spectacular. And he's such a fun guy to talk to. We had such a great conversation with him. We kind of look at how the digital revolution really changed our industry 100%. And then we look forward and we focus on what we can learn Something as far as in a particular moment in history as young creatives now in today's world, what can we learn from all of that in the ba- in the past? He's the perfect guy to take us through it. We really hope you enjoy it. This is our conversation with Bert Monroy. All right, guys. Well, we are back with another DGDC uh, episode here on the Adobe Max channel. 
And we have, I think this is the first time we've ever talked to a Hall of Famer in the graphic design industry. Pretty Literally Hall of Famer, yeah. Uh, we have Bert Monroy. Bert, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, we are. <laughs> Wonderful to have you. When we first heard we were going to speak to you, you know, this was kind of a, a quite an honor because just knowing your background and everything, and I'll let you kind of tell our listeners a little bit more about it, but, you know, as far as what we get to do every day, the things we touch every day with Photoshop and all the apps, uh, to have someone with your caliber and your experience on this is just going to be a great discussion. We can't wait to get into it. So absolutely. Um, Thanks for uh, taking the time, and we're here to, to pick your brain and learn as much as we can. Okay, let's see how much we can do. Yeah. yeah. Give, give, them a, give them a brief bio of just, you know, your experience in this thing and, and where we're going to go and get into this conversation about the beginning of uh, how the digital revolution hit our industry. Okay, well, brief bio. Okay, how <laughs> we start where uh, I started drawing. My, uh, my mother... <laughs> My mother had the very first drawing that I ever did that was recognizable, and I was two years old. Wow. I, I've been drawing my entire life. Um, and um, when I went to high school, I, I, my teacher told me, you know, you've been in trouble for be drawing in class all the time. You should apply to the High School of Art and Design in New York. And uh, so I did, and I got in. And that was my first formal training in, in art. I, uh, my major was advertising and illustration. And uh, upon graduation, I, well, I went into the military for a while. This was the 60s. And uh, then I uh, uh, went to the School of Visual Arts. And that's, I went into advertising. I yeah. would still paint my, my fine art on the side uh, and, and have fun. And, uh, but I went into advertising as an art director, creative director, illustrator. Uh, started out in the, in the bullpen, what we used to call the bullpen, doing mechanicals, <laughs> things that we don't know about anymore. Uh, and in um, 1984, uh, I had my own agency in New York, and my partner says, uh, we need to computerize. So I said, okay, don't expect me to sit there and start typing things. He said, no, 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 there's a new computer coming out that you can actually do your work on. So I very hesitantly went down to the computer store and saw this little box, this little Macintosh 128. I sat there and I drew a little box and that's that's cool. And then I moved it and I said, wow, this is going to save me a lot of tracing paper when I do yeah. my layouts. I can move things around without having to redraw them. Um, and, I, and I said, okay, let, let's get this thing. I um, It took a few weeks for the machine to be delivered, but I was in the store every day. Um, wow. by, the, by the Friday of that first week, I had mastered Mac Paint. And they yeah, let yeah. me play. They let me play because when people would come over, I'd start showing them stuff. So I sold more computers than, than, than they were selling. Yeah. You know? yeah. I didn't get any commission. No commission. But they, but they let me play. <laughs> and, and then when my Mac got uh, delivered, um, I gave up the advertising. I said, I'm no longer going to do this. Wow. Uh, that summer, I um, put out this little thing called Human Forms, which let you build human uh, bodies because uh, they had all these forearms and, and hands and upper arms, torsos, legs. And all you had to do was connect the, uh, the joints where these little crosshairs were, mm. connect those crosshairs to pick this arm and that, that uh, forearm and so on. And then you would erase the little crosshairs and you would have these human bodies in any position you wanted. <laughs> and from there, it just went to all kinds of, uh, of uh, uh, products for the Mac. Uh, and I was doing so much stuff. I started doing a lot of illustrations for Mac User Magazine and Macro Magazine. So what happened is I was getting a lot of uh, um, publicity from, from my art in Mac Paint. Yeah. So all of a sudden, anybody who had anything to do with graphics, they were putting out something on a Mac, they would send it to me. Hey, what do you think it is? How could we make it better? What, you know, and so on. So I got to see a lot of things wow. really early. Uh, in fact, I got to see – there was another point is that my new partner in the, in the computer company, um, he, he actually the guy who co-wrote the first book on Photoshop with me, David Biedney, um, he at the time was the technical editor of Mac User Magazine. So he got mm -hmm. to see everything. So mm -hmm. I either saw it because they sent it to me or I saw it because of him. So that's why I got to see Photoshop a couple of years before Adobe knew it existed. <laughs> and uh, and when I saw that thing, Adobe. yeah, when I saw that thing, it just uh, blew me away because I had a great airbrush and and, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. and so I just 
went into that. I was called Mr. Pixel Paint before that. And then all of a sudden I switched from Pixel Paint to Photoshop, but I couldn't say what I was using because it wasn't out yet. Yeah. But, um, but it was, uh, um, it was just tremendous. And that actually is what changed the advertising industry. Desktop publishing. Remember that term? Mm. Uh, desktop publishing started bringing newspaper ad agencies into the fold because it was strictly black and white. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it, it, it saved a lot of time, a lot of time and effort. Um, but then when Photoshop came out, that's when it really changed. In fact, I used to do a, a, sem- a monthly seminar at Apple in New York called uh, the Mac in Advertising. Mm-hmm. And I would uh, <laughs> show all these things that would happen. And there was a lot of resistance. There was a lot of people who would say, I remember one, one time there was this guy and um, uh, he said, well, can it do this? Oh, yeah, look, look. How about this? And he was getting angrier, angrier yeah. and angrier. And I'm showing him, and, and, and finally the guy next to him told him, "Chill out, you know, chill out." Just, just. <laughs> you know. Yeah. He, could, he was getting angry because he he kept thinking, you know, this is going to take my job. And I says, "Wait, you see, my hand is holding the mouse. Yeah, it was the mouse back then." I said, "And I'm doing this stuff." I said, "The computer isn't doing it. Let's let's see what the computer does." And we we all stood there for like a few seconds, <laughs> yeah. and it's That's not doing point. anything. You know, it's not doing anything. <laughs> and so it I made them realize it's just making their jobs easier, mm-hmm, and it yeah. does. It does. Like for instance, um, uh, back in the early days, you had the copywriter. Right, you had yeah. the uh, typesetter. typesetter, you had the the photographer, you had the retoucher, you had all these different things. Right mm. now, you still have the mouse, you still have the copywriter. Yeah. Well, Come I, on, I, I use a style. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, 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 but totally oh, yeah. different. Okay, but here the copywriter. Okay, what the copywriter do, do, did was he he typed the copy. Right. Yeah, the and role then, is totally yeah. different. Yeah. Now this this the audience can't see, but I'm holding up a thing called a Haber rule. Yeah. <laughs> and this was used to spec type. So when the um, when the copywriter typed the stuff on his typewriter, it would send me the sheet, and then I have to figure out how many uh, characters are in there. Then I'd have to figure out if I do it at ten point, how how deep is it going to be, and blah blah blah. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I had to get it all right. And then I would send it to the typesetter, okay, mm-hmm. which I would then get the type the next day, unless I paid 100% overtime, okay? So <laughs> just, think, just think of that, guys, everybody listening. What a, the, the, the pause that puts on your project and your creative flow. That's the point. Copy. The point. Yeah. And then, then it comes, and, and if it's wrong, oh, God, you got to send it oh. back. Right? <laughs> Whereas now it's, you know, you get the copy, you fit it right in, you got the box, and you, you can on the fly change it. Yep. In yeah. fact, I remember uh, I was brought into quite a few of the ad agencies in New York to convert them to the new oh, technology. Gotcha. And I, one, I remember one time I'm. Um, in the room, and uh, it was still called a bullpen then, and uh, there was a the um, uh, account executive was standing over the artist's shoulders, mm. and he said, um, "Can you make the type smaller, like a half a point?" And I and I said, "Wait a second, hold it! A half a point is going to bring in about four characters, you know, but they can make that change because yes, mm-hmm. the guy wants a half a point change. Yeah. In the old days, you couldn't do that." You're stuck yeah. with it unless you wanted to wait a lot and pay a lot extra. Now, yeah, okay, so here's a half a point. You like it? Make it two points. Okay, there. I'll bring it back. It's easy to make those changes. <laughs> this so, probably – don't you believe desktop publishing started the whole um, design over the shoulder kind of thing? Because like exactly, technically yes. it was harder to do before that. Now it's because it's yeah, so Yeah, I kind of like fantasize about like, oh, I'm sorry. This is the way the design is. There's yeah, nothing sorry. we oh, can right. do. Right. <laughs> like, no, I, I actually used to have that job. <laughs> title desktop publisher at an architectural design firm and absolutely people would architects would just be standing by and there was so much pressure it was awful yes (laughs) yes we we just changed a we had a course at our school still called desktop publishing up until two years ago i think and again like it was i think a lot of times the change is so hard for certain people and yet others embrace it like you embrace it before it even existed right like so it's like there's a, a unique thing about that. What was the resistance like at this point? Like when you were converting people over, I'm sure you saw so many different just well. Uh, well, one thing I one thing I saw is that yes, all of a sudden everybody became a desktop publisher. Everybody could do, and, and it could anybody mm-hmm. could create their own newsletter. 
of course, they didn't look good. You You're still right. needed to have an artistic eye, yeah. a sense of composition, you know, to, to, how to make things work. Totally. Uh, that, so the artist was still necessary. But yes, anybody could produce a newsletter. Something you wanted to look at, maybe not, but <laughs> anybody could do it. Yeah. Uh, but now with, with things like Photoshop, now it really brought, uh, and at the time PageMaker, it really brought the main ad agencies into the fold because they saw what can be done. Value. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, photo retouching was very expensive and very limited. Sometimes you had to go to a dye transfer, which cost a lot of money to do these things. Whereas now, you know, with Photoshop, it, it's become a verb. You know, they don't call it retouching yeah. anymore. They call it yeah. photoshopping. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's, it, it really changed the way um, you look at things. But I would say that pretty much everything changed. Let me give you a, a, an idea of a, a, the preparation and how the computer changed that. Yeah, please. Okay, let's say I had this, uh, uh, an ad agency, I, I mean, a, a client, and he said, um, uh, I, wanted to, I want to see an orangutan standing in an apple tree. Okay, orangutan <laughs> on an apple tree. All right, so now I would get on the subway, go down to the main library in Manhattan on Fifth Avenue and Forty Second, go to their basement, which had the picture library, uh, and oh, I go wow. and fill out a little, a little four by five card. I want a orangutan and I want apple trees. Give it to the thing. She go to this giant wall of of, of uh, little cabinets, and and she write all these things down. So I, then I have to go down these long corridors, go to bin L uh, thirty nine. You know, and, I, and there'd be these folders. Then I go to a table where I can look through the folders. And there'd be newspaper clippings and all kinds of stuff, pictures of orangutans and pictures of apple. Then I would take the ones I want, bring them to the desk. They would give me a, a Xerox of them, and I would have my pictures go back home. Now, like just the other day, I needed a, a what does the Sutro Tower look like? So I did a Google search of Sutro Tower, and there was five million pictures that I can choose from, mm-hmm. and probably a three D so, model somewhere too, right? <laughs> exactly. So, so that just the research process has changed yeah, that was dramatically. Your yeah, because it's it's all here. It's every uh, the artist no longer has to re- depend on all these other places or have to go and master all these other tools or buy them because everything you want, even you want to create your own soundtrack, it's all done in the same little machine. Mm-hmm. So it pretty revel- pretty much revolutionized the way we work, all yeah. aspects of it, the research part, the planning part, and the actual execution has all been put into this one little box and easy to use. Yeah. Easy to use because the computer – was dealing with graphics before the Mac and, and, and the personal computers. There were these things called Harry's and Quantel's. They started at a million two. Wow. The software, which did about a quarter of what Photoshop can do, started at $40,000. Yeah. <laughs> these machines were huge. And I remember once I had to get something done. I was doing this thing for Pierre Cardin, and, and I needed this thing, which I figured digital was going to be the best way. So I went to this guy's studio to do it. Uh, the ad agencies had these machines in the basement, but you know, he says, uh, I, I, said, I want a blue, a nice blue sky, from dark blue to light blue. So he puts in all these coordinates, and from XY coordinate here is going to be that blue, down to XY coordinate down here is going to be the lighter blue, and then it will create this gradient. Mm-hmm. Whereas now you pick the color, pick the color, you just click and drag, and boom, yeah. you got a gradient, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and um, and the, the process change because back then like for instance if i'm painting uh and i paint that blue sky well i'd like it to be a little lighter okay so i have to now wash my brushes mix mm-hmm. new paints and do it whereas now i just make it lighter so the the creative process isn't hampered by the maintenance mm-hmm. i don't have to wash my tools i do have to brush off my keyboard once in a while but <laughs> yeah, uh, i don't have to wash down. my yeah i don't have to wash my tools no you know what i do to clean my my keyboard i had a guy here once going crazy that i was doing this uh i had a windsor and newton a series of windsor newton series seven brushes, brushes. they were sable brushes <laughs> very expensive brushes. i used to paint with these yeah i used the large one <laughs> which then cost 200 bucks and i used that to clean my keyboard <laughs> unbelievable and, and this guy who was a traditional artist was like freaking yeah. out that i was doing that that's a what yeah, else this, am I going to use it for? You know, yeah. <laughs> the symbolism in there of like sort of the digital overtaking yeah. the fine art is 
fantastic. Yeah, it, it, it all changed completely. Yeah. Do, Bert, do you remember some light bulb moments when you were showing stuff off to people about the advantages that, like, uh, you know, anything specific that you remember? Anything specific? Um, well, I'll tell you one thing was, was the idea of playing with type. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay because oh, that was yeah. a that was a very specialized thing and i remember uh i had this group in the mac and advertising group i remember this this guy um anyway i typed up some uh, a word a logo right and then i converted it to outlines mm-hmm. and then i got rid of the word but i had the outline so i could take the bottom of the p and extend it down and add a serif that curled up and i started playing with the vectors to create this very stylized logo which in the old days was very difficult mm. i remember one thing i used to do uh, i used to use a thing called press type and i would press out type letters and then with a rapidograph i would do the same things i would do now with illustrator i started extending little serifs and stuff like that and it was very time consuming Mm-hmm. And there was only one, okay? There was no backup. You know, whereas now, uh, um, and, and that's another big point. Uh, now I do something and uh, uh, and it's instant yeah. and I can back it up. So in case there's something happened, like a fire here in California or something, I got backups all over the place. So it's easy to back things up. Yeah. Back, back in the old days, uh, when you finished uh, uh, your paste-up mechanical uh, and the job was done, it went into this big room where they stored mechanicals okay um and if anything happened to them well you'd have to recreate the whole thing all over again which was very expensive uh, and i remember many times I, I one in particular i went to find this one mechanical and i there it was i found it okay mm-hmm. and it was in fairly good <laughs> shape except there were coffee stains on the side of it okay so that required some some work to get those coffee stains off whereas now you don't need that room full of mechanicals right the ad agencies don't need to have this big storage uh uh, place because it's all either on the cloud Mm -hmm. or on a server somewhere Mm -hmm. where everybody can access them which yeah that access by everybody has also changed a big thing in, in the industry uh for artists back in the day um, we used to carry a portfolio of your samples. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> you carry this portfolio and you got an appointment and you went there and you met with the guy and, and, or many times, can you leave your portfolio? And I get like, Oh God, uh, wow. are they going to take care of it? You know, and yeah. but that's, that's my samples, you know? Um, and, and then, um, if I got the job, it was cool. Fortunately, I lived in New York. Okay. Where there was a lot of work. But if you lived in, in Oshkosh or you know, someplace, <laughs> there aren't a lot of ad agencies or places to give you work. Whereas now, uh, I would say in the last uh, 20 years, I would say 90% of the times I never saw my client. And most of the clients were not even in the country. Mm-hmm. I deal with a lot of things in Japan and in Europe, and I never meet them. Um, now with Zoom, I, I do meet a few, but um, but then I, it was strictly through emails, and they yeah. would send me stuff, and then I would send them a little a JPEG of what it looks like, and then when it was done, I would write a CD and send them the CD. Whereas now it's just here it is, it's done. Put it up on the cloud, the client can see it, make any changes. They're done immediately, and the job gets out. Mm-hmm. There's no shipping things anywhere there's not nothing everybody can see it so if the client's in in say tokyo and the uh the president is on vacation in in europe uh, but he wants to see this thing too you can all get together discuss the job make changes watch the changes being made and the job is done yeah okay Uh, revolutionary (laughs) yeah there is a downside, like there's always a downside. Um, it's like um, back then in the early days, um, you want to change the picture? Well, that's going to cost you. <laughs> yeah. Whereas now, why should I pay? All you got to do is place yeah. a new picture. You know, yeah. why should I pay? So that that's uh, <laughs> the, the income started going down for a lot of the workers in the ad agencies for a while there. But now it's it's getting back to normal where they realize the, the value of, of the artists, not yeah. just uh, somebody who's going to uh, uh, the uh, operate the machine. In fact, I remember one of my illustration classes, there was this young girl, and I had given them a, a, a 
little job to draw something from life, right? She couldn't draw at all. So I said to her, I said, um, can you draw? And she says, no. I says, um, well, she worked for an ad agency. And I said, so well, why did they send you to learn how to draw? She says, well, uh, I asked her what she did. She said she was a, a, a clerk. That's, that's what she called herself, a clerk. So I said, why, why did they send you to, to uh, do this? And she said, well, they figured if I can learn the computer, they can fire the art director and I can do his job. Uh, okay. Wow. <laughs> I, I can see where that was going to go. Yeah. But, um, but, but see, that's, that, there are downsides to everything. But th- these were the early days. Now people realize that you, know, you need somebody with the skills. And... Um, Schools are emphasizing the the need for things like Photoshop and and mm-hmm. InDesign and and the tools to know the tools that they they're going to hire you for. Yeah. And um, now, learning those tools that's um, that's a whole other process. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, well, especially now, like they've, they've, they're so dense now, right? Like I look at and it's easy to sort of romanticize like the early days of Photoshop where every new feature was groundbreaking, right? Like when you added layers, like that changed how everyone operates or now you can undo more than once or multiple Mm -hmm. times. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, I I do wonder, is it easy just to get lost in that because it was developing and it was changing the medium as it was growing? Because now I look at like the features Adobe ads are awesome, right? It's usually just about like making the workflow better or easier. But you know, you think of these groundbreaking, like change of industry moments, like they sort of really lie in those earlier days. And I guess I wonder, like, in maybe the last five years, and maybe through your scope, like, has there been things that and even outside of Adobe, just in this like digital world, that have sort of revolutionized the way maybe you work, Uh or how your process works, maybe even something on the same level or near back then, because, you know, it's hard to, I guess it's hard to like not compete, but just like, compare when something like that is just revolutionized you're in that moment right now we're kind of like you know it's way more nuanced there's way more just like you know specific uh like specific changes or features that are about workflow and less of like you're going to change how you paint on a computer yeah it's i would say there's a lot of changes Uh, in fact i'm gonna bring you a, a little story you mentioned layers yeah um i remember uh uh Adobe brought me down to uh, uh, Stanford University, and they stuck me in this room, big white room with a lot of cameras pointing at me and a lot of lights and a big giant mirror in front of me. I knew the mirror was a two-way glass, you know, a one-way glass. Um, But I sat there, and they said, okay, we'll go into Photoshop. And I opened up Photoshop, and my eye went right to that menu. It said, layers. Yeah. It said, layers. Wow. So I remember opening it, and I started creating layers. And I'm playing. I said, well, what do you think? The, the, I heard in the background. And I recognized the voice. Ah, that's Mark. I, I know. Anyway, so, so they said, what do you think of it? I says, well, how come I can't choose two layers at the same time? That, that was my first uh, thought was a complaint. But <laughs> the, the, the thing was that, that yeah, here was all this, this, these layers which I needed before. It wasn't the first program with layers. Yeah. But layers mm-hmm. made it really important. I remember doing this huge... Uh, um, a montage of, of different pieces. And uh, once I got them in place, this one over here on the left could move over a little bit to the right. If I grabbed it and moved it, then I have to refill the background because there'd be a hole there. Yep. Once layers came in, it made it real easy to do these kind of montage type works and stuff. And um, it made it real easy to, to make changes because everything's in a layer. Um, mm-hmm. Like uh, one thing that I, I like layers for is I create my own, photo stock library if i spent all this time creating this little garbage can oh yeah well i already got the garbage can. like i did this garbage can that uh uh, the reason i thought a garbage can is in my painting damon is a train platform there's a little garbage can there Mm -hmm. well the exact same garbage can is in new york (laughs) except in new york they're green (laughs) oh that's chicago it was white so all i did is i took that white uh, garbage can made it green and 
put a little yeah. extra dirt on it and put yeah. it in Times Square. So there, there you, it was. You, you New Yorked it. <laughs> yeah, New Yorked it. Yeah, yeah. What's so, the right term? <laughs> so there, there's so many different parts of it that were revolutionary along the way. The brush mm. engine. The brush engine I to mean, me, that yeah. was a godsend because yeah. it, it brought me back to what how I was traditionally trained. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, and, and using a stylus rather than the mouse also brought it back, a pressure sensitive. So it actually went back to the way I was traditionally oh, that's, trained. That's a good point. It, yeah. That's I have awesome. to admit, out of like all your impressive accolades, when I was researching you earlier, like to discover that Photoshop's three main default brushes, of which everyone knows, which is the maple leaf, the single blade of grass, and the tuft of grass are all your brushes. Like those are yeah. your. <laughs> that's brushes. It's yeah. unreal. Yeah, like, that's amazing. I, those have my, been in countless designs, even my own. Like, yeah, no, I see them so all cool. over the place. I love, I love seeing it, uh, especially the grass one. They, they yeah. use that a lot. I there's, a, I have a whole my azalea brush. There's a whole bunch more brushes, but they're not on the main panel. Panel. They were um, in the in the library. Choices. Yeah, in the library. Um, but yeah, I remember when they brought me down to look at the brush engine and, um, I started looking and, and cause I, I helped to, to develop that. And I remember I hadn't seen anything this cool since pixel paint and they all started <laughs> laughing. And then I found out that Jerry Harris, one of the two guys that wrote pixel paint, wrote the brush engine. So that, that was, that was revolutionary. It's, it's, and, oh, there's just so many things, layer styles. There's so many things that have come along the way. Yeah. Um, at one point I started thinking, they're getting too ambitious, okay? They put animation in there. Then when they put 3D in there, you know, um, I, I started getting concerned. And I remember writing them and uh, calling uh, Adobe, and I says, didn't you guys learn with uh, Dimensions, which was the original 3D program that they had? They have another Dimensions now. But uh, the original, it, it kind of bombed. Then they took everything that was in there and stuck it into Illustrator. But uh, I told them, didn't you learn about 3D? And they told me, and, and I was convinced that they said, it's not going to compete with Maya. You know, mm -hmm. it's not meant for that. It's just to, there are people who will need some very basic uh, 3D stuff. Sure. And uh, so they introduced it. They have developed it through the time um, and it's gotten better. It's mm -hmm. still not going to compete with something like a Maya that's specifically designed for that. Sure. Um, but it's it's built into Photoshop, which you already have, you know. So um, it's it's and besides Maya is like thousands of dollars. I mean, that's the thing. It's like it's unless you're professional strictly in that niche, like no one can yeah. afford that sort of stuff. Yeah. And then uh, learning curves. You mentioned learning curves before. Oh, yeah. Um, you, know, you know, one thing I tell my students that. Um, especially the ones that are scared about all this stuff and overwhelming, uh, that they should look at it like a game. I always tell people that the best way to learn is to sit there and play. Mm -hmm. Okay, You can puzzles. see all the videos. You can read all the books. Uh, and my publishers don't like me to say this kind of thing. But the best way to actually <laughs> learn is to sit there and push the buttons. Yep. Okay. And in pushing the buttons, you got to remember things like the command key, the option key, and the shift key, the control, alt, and shift in the, uh, on a PC, are modifier keys. And it's not always documented, but if you hold one or multiples of those mm -hmm. keys, it's going to change the way things work. Mm -hmm. So many times when I would get software, and in fact, I've always gotten software before it comes out, so I've never have manuals. Yeah. Right. If I wrote the co-wrote the first book on Photoshop. There were no books. There was no YouTube. There was no YouTube, <laughs> no YouTube. Then. Yeah. So so I had a I sit there and play. I, yeah. and there are many times I will hold down like say the option key and run my finger across the keyboard and whoop wow, what was that? And I tried to repl replicate it. Because there's a lot of Easter eggs that are put into oh, software wow. that idea. aren't documented. Really good yeah. point. And it feels like people are scared to get lost in the tech I sometimes yeah. right? especially the programs now are, are I mean, since they've been evolving for so many years, like they're so dense, but you're right. Like they're just filled with like these little tricks that you can just miss. And yeah. it, and you yeah. learn it like this changes my workflow now forever. This may be hear about me. those all the time, right? All, I mean, yes. I, yeah, yes. I, know. I still find them all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. just a question of sitting there and playing. Yeah. You got yeah. a little extra time to sit there and play and see what happens. And, and, uh, those modify like a simple thing, like let's say, um, okay. You add a layer mask to a layer. Uh -huh. right? You add a layer mask, you get this little white box, and then you can start drawing in it. Well, if you hold down the option key and add a layer mask, yeah. it's automatically black. Yep. See, a simple thing like that, okay? <laughs> um, one thing, modifier key that I use a lot, um, 
is like uh, my paintings are made up of many different pieces. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't do it all in one place because the file would be massive. The flattened file of my Times Square piece is 6.25 gigabytes. Oh. Which is, again, that's, that's flattened. Flat. Yeah, flat. yeah. I don't yeah. think people appreciate it. Like, oh, that doesn't seem great. Like, no, that's a single flat image. <laughs> yeah. So so what happens is, like, let's say I, I'm doing, like, say, I said Times Square, um, a lamppost. And I have one lamppost that has 198 layers. Okay? Now, when I'm done... <laughs> I got to now take this lamppost and bring it into my composite file. Uh-huh. I don't want to. So if I go in there and say flatten file, well, I'd lose all my layers. If I say merge visible, I lose all my layers. Yeah. Right. But if I hold down option and say merge visible, it'll create a new layer with a composite of all the layers that are visible, leaving the layers intact, which is yeah. crucial for me because Super if I want to go back to that same uh, lamppost and maybe yeah. put a different sign or change something, the layers are still there. That single composited layer is the one that gets transferred to the main yeah. composite file. So there's all these little <laughs> tricks that save you time and make things easier. Uh, and again, you can read a million books to try to find them and a lot of them aren't documented anywhere but if you sit there and just have a good time with it treat it like a video game you're not killing anything but you're creating yeah. something yeah you know? or you might be creating a guy killing something but anyway it's it's uh <laughs> well, you have all, to look at it that way and i think that's how a lot of young people see it yeah and if you see how great they get at a game because they've just like you said they just play it yeah and, and right and so like and I'm curious to know too with with your students and how you teach. How do you use everything we talked about from the past as far as these incredible advantages and these credible changes to entice them even more now or to educate them more about what what the programs offer? You know how well, to get better. One thing when I have at times not not that often anymore, but many times I will say I'm going to show you something really cool. This is the way it used to be done. And this is the way it's done now. Mm-hmm. And many times I go, wow, you used to have to do all that. you know." And, and then I, I show them. And, and I say, yeah, because it, it really frees up the creative process. Once you know the tools, once you learn all these little tricks, then anything you can come up with in your mind, you can put it down on paper. Right. You, know, mm-hmm. you can make it look. Uh, and, and so it's, it's really important to learn all these tools. You shouldn't be afraid of them because mm. the, what's, what you're going towards is uh, getting a better uh, creative outlook uh, to be able to achieve works that you couldn't do before. Yeah. So your goal is to get better at what you're doing. It shouldn't be that I'm afraid to do this because it's so hard. If you think it's so hard, then you shouldn't be doing it. Okay. If you think it's hard, um, if you think it's hard and it's a challenge, then yes, that's the right attitude. Yeah. Have that drive, that passion. Yeah. Every painting that I do, it's not like, oh, this is going to be easy. No, I (laughs) look for things that are going to be a challenge. If it's easy, then I get bored with it. I've done some paintings that are boring, but, um, but the ones that really stand out for me are the ones that gave me a challenge. That challenge forced me to learn something. How am I going to get this effect? What combination of filters are going to give me that effect? It's just a question of going in there and experimenting, mm-hmm. playing, mm. playing with the playing. program. Yeah. Yep. Well, and like, and I think we should maybe even touch on this for anyone who maybe hasn't seen your work or young listeners like wanting to get inspired. I think, and I, but we'll just take like the the Times Square piece or example. And I have some of these specs because I, I do want to read them out. Like that final image looks like sixty inches by hundred inches. Uh, contains. Seven over seven hundred thousand layers, which I it's hard to process what that actually looks like, yeah. right? Oh my and, god! And then you save that out until uh, looks like fifteen thousand individual Photoshop and Illustrator files. So, and then that took you four years. So that's a staggering. <laughs> I mean, like we're right talking. <laughs> I mean, that's what. It, so, like approaching wow. something like that, like how do you start? How, your your file organization skills must be like on a whole different level. Oh man. <laughs> like that, that that's an important I'm glad you used Times Square. By the way, um the resolution that I work at was to optimize because that piece, Times mm-hmm. Square printed, is five feet high by twenty five feet wide. <laughs> okay? And if you wow. zoom into say uh, uh like my daughter, my son and my daughter in law are three figures in the in the in front real close if you zoom into her eye or their eyes you can see the reflection of what they're looking at yeah yeah so there's it's a insane. lot of detail in there yeah. yeah 
now organization is extremely important because um uh you know you can have a really messy filing cabinet and it could be really worse in the computer yeah, yeah. now mm-hmm. you know i i created let's say i brought that little garbage can from from Damon into Times Square, right? And I put it in place, and then yeah. I noticed that the lamppost next to it uh, needs a little more work. Damn, I did that lamppost two years ago. Where is it? Mm-hmm. Well, I know exactly yeah. where it is, you yeah. know? Yeah. So, like, Times Square wow. is broken up into multiple main composite files, okay? Yeah. Now, the, the main file has up Broadway, up 7th Avenue, center, street, Building on left, building on right. Uh-huh. Okay, and Toys R Us. <laughs> those are those are the main files. Inside those files, like up Broadway, yeah, you wouldn't believe how many files are up Broadway. <laughs> okay, there's a first building one, building two, the Novotel Hotel. All these these uh, uh, when you look at the street levels, there's all this there's a Snapple bottle. There's all this stuff that's yeah. there. So everything is in a folder clearly named every layer is clearly named everything is and it put into a place where i know i can find it yeah. so when i went to look for that lamppost that i knew it was up on seven up seventh avenue so i went to up seventh avenue went to street level and there it was there was the garbage beautiful can. i mean i feel so you, like you found those satellites ways. zooming in on something like you can punch in anywhere in your artwork and it's like enhance and then you enhance again and 20 times like you were saying with the one with the mist and the fog you could zoom past the fog into stuff behind it like it's the amount of detail is i mean it's just staggering and also you know i do some work in photography the fact that like it's all tack sharp like it's all in focus right like yeah well that's part. that's the point that's the point it's yeah. like i'm not a photo realist uh the photo realist genre they they adhere to the photograph Sure. Mm-hmm. So there is that depth of field, the things far away are out of focus. For me, I'm, I consider myself a hyper-realist. It's like being there. Wherever yeah. your eye yeah. looks, it's going to come into focus. Yeah. So yes, if you're looking at the, the, the uh, little bolt on the garbage can that's right next to you uh, in, in the painting, and then look about 15 blocks north <laughs> into the window of this building all the way down there, you're going to see what's inside that window. So it's, so it's, it's like you can focus, so it's actually like being there. Yeah, I look, think it's, it's going to be I mean, You really can get lost in that artwork. I mean, I was sitting there for like an hour last night just zooming in on different pieces and just <laughs> staggered for every single scroll in. Uh, it's super effective. It, it, it's really unique. Well, a fun one is, is I have a piece called Le Dome. It's a, a, a restaurant in, in Paris. Um, that one's got more detail than any of the others because I decided um, to up the ante on that one. So I increased <laughs> the size of it um, because usually when I, when I create my elements, I create them at two, 200% of what I need. Mm-hmm. That way when I bring them into the page, they're going to look that much sharper. Yeah. But the 200% ones look so cool. So I decided to do that one at 200% of what I normally work at. So it gave me a tremendous amount. It took a hell of a lot longer. But, <laughs> but I got so much detail that every little leaf on the tree, you can see the veins, everything. It's all there. I had a great time doing it. But it gave me a lot more uh, uh, of a chance to get the detail. That has to be seen really big. Mm-hmm. When it has to be printed. You can't do a little eight by 10 on that thing. You, you'll lose all the detail, but it, it, yeah. that's, the detail for me is the fun. Yeah, of course it's, it's created. I, I am a Virgo, so I'm supposed to do all that stuff. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I, I, I like to, uh, the detail I have, I have fun because by adding that little extra speck of dirt and stuff is what makes something come to life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, the photograph doesn't always capture that. It'll capture the scene, but what is, what's right there on that, in that ashtray on that table over there in the corner of the restaurant? Yeah. yeah. I tell a story. I create my own stories. Yeah. You know, I, I add little things that give it life, that like give it a, a place in time and so on. So for me, that's part of the fun. Bert, how do, you, how do you keep yourself so in tune with continuously improving yourself? It sounds like you know when you see this thing, you see a challenge and you go and say, let's, let's tackle it rather than maybe – what typically we might walk away and go, eh, everything's fine. I don't need to go the extra mile. How do you continually do that and inspire young artists to do the same? 
Well, there is a certain level of anal retentiveness there, <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I, for me, it's I really enjoy the challenge. I, mm. I don't like just letting something go and say, okay, that's good enough. Yeah. I used to have to do that with clients a lot mm-hmm. because you get to the point where, okay, the deadline's here and it's just, it's going to cost too much more. Once it went digital, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll put a lot of extra work into it because it's easy to do and it just makes the thing look that much better. Yeah. Um, and you can meet deadlines a lot better than you could in, in the earlier days. Um, but uh, what I do is, it, to me, it's the challenge and, and I love learning. I, I want to, uh, if it's an easy way out, then it's boring to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll just, okay, well, just plop it in. But if it says to me, hey, you got to think this one through, okay, it becomes yeah. a challenge. And the good part is that once I've met that challenge, that's a new skill that I exactly. now possess. Yes. So the next time I have something, you know, and, and my paintings, that's how I've always developed my skills. Because when the client gives you a job, yeah, I have a deadline, all right? Mm-hmm. But I know how to do this because I did it in that one painting, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, so it, it for me, I love the challenge. I'm not uh, scared of the challenge. I'm met. I, I'd like to meet it, yeah. and and it just becomes like playing the game. Yep. You know, you, you want to win that game. You want to get all that gold, and you want to kill all those bad guys. Whatever the game is, right? Uh, I don't play video games, but anyway, <laughs> uh, that that's that's your goal, right? Well, in in uh, working with Photoshop and, and Illustrator and all the other programs for me is like, well, what do they do? What does this thing do for me? It's I'm curious. Mm-hmm. I just have a, an inborn curiosity and I want to see what it is. You know, I'm not going to just let it go. Oh, this is too hard. You know, mm-hmm. n- none of that stuff. If it's too hard, that gives me much more of a, of a feeling like I got to, I got to beat this thing. I yeah. got to learn, yeah. it, you know, so it, that's a, I guess, a personality thing, but I think it's something that artists should develop. If if they take their, their work for granted and, and look for the easy way out, then there's no challenge. And in the long run, there's no real personal satisfaction. Hmm. If you take that's the easy gold. way, yeah. if you take the easy way out for, for things, then, well, okay, you, what did you gain? You, you got lazy. You just wanted to go back and watch uh, Pack the fill or whatever you do. Um, <laughs> something, on ne- something on Netflix, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, what I uh, uh, to me, it's it's that challenge is something that that I know is going to improve my skills in the long run. And it and I again, it's like playing to me. It's mm-hmm. fun. It's that video game. It's the challenge to get to, to figure it out and to develop new reasons for having that tool mm-hmm. okay just having this tool uh, again you know um i tell my students that uh, uh with uh layer styles and um um what's the other one I forgot. no i forgot anyway uh i tell them that uh forget what they're called completely forget oh filters Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Forget what they're called. They give you this dialog box with all these little controls, right? Push the buttons. See what they do. If you change the mode and the color, it's going to have a totally different effect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So forget what they're called. Like, for instance, motion blur. Okay? I love using that one for an example. I've used motion blur, I would say, probably 800,000 times in my lifetime, right? Mm-hmm. Twice I used it for motion blur. <laughs> You're right. You you yeah. reinvent it. That's yeah. Fantastic. What it does, yeah. what it does, is it streaks things. It streaks them to give you that little motion blur. Well, enhancing that motion blur more. Like for instance, I, I create a wood grain by taking a, a layer, applying a um, a noise add noise filter, and then giving it a motion blur, mm-hmm. which turns it into these long streaks of different tones. Then I go into levels and increase the contrast, and then I have wood. Oh, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. And and <laughs> you take a you take a, a picture of um, let's say this uh, you got these trees and stuff and you want to put a lake in front of them. Well, there you put the lake. Then you take the trees, flip them vertically, put them into the lake, apply a little motion ver- mm-hmm. blur vertically, and there you have the, the proper blur, reflection. The reflection, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, and take a take a little crystallize in the water. Uh create oh, noise. Yeah noise then fake crystallize and give that a motion blur and you got all the ripples oh, you know so it's all these little tricks that yeah. the, that the filter motion blur 
yeah, has all these other things that it can do rather than just motion blur. Mm-hmm. I do it's think what- we have the right audience members listening because they'll be able to envision, if not while listening, have their panels open and their yeah. options <laughs> exactly, open. Yes. Because that's yes. how all- nerdy we all are. Yes, yes. That can be assumed, and that's a good thing. We don't need no visual accompaniment with this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so if word pictures. <laughs> yeah, so if they're sitting there doing that, then that, that's the, right there. There's that curiosity. It's there. They have that spark that's yes. needed yes. To, to make themselves very skilled at, at the tools that they have. And every new tool, uh, I can't wait to see the new version of this and the next version of that. And what else might be on the horizon? Because it just makes my life easier. Totally. Okay. And Do you ever um, see updates come in and you're like, really? That's it? What yeah. about or maybe X, a tool that like hasn't been in I've seen entire software. I've seen entire <laughs> software come in as they were like, what? Really? <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I, 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 there was an old piece of software. Uh, I shouldn't name names, but it was called Draw It Again, Sam. But it, it went away. Okay. Um, <laughs> he didn't hesitate for a second there. Yeah, Poor Sam. Yeah. This thing, in fact, I'll tell you a story. Um, they, they wanted me to do the poster for it, all right? So they sent me the software, and I'm looking at it. I says, you know, Cricut Draw does this a lot better, <laughs> and, and uh, uh, Studio Paint does it a lot better, too. You know, I says, this program is really not good. Oh, no, it, it, we'll make it. It's going to be better. And so we want you to do the poster. I said, well, I really don't um, you know, like the program that much. So they kept convincing me. So I said, okay. I'll do the poster on one condition that I don't use the program to create it. Oh, oh no way. <laughs> so I went back to traditional uh, uh, um, materials to create this poster. And what I did is I put Humphrey Bogart, because I draw it again, Sam, uh, sitting in front of a Mac, and his hands are not on the table, and he's looking up like, holy crap, you know, with a f- look on his face and a, and a half drunk glass of whiskey next to the Mac. And they loved it. They loved it. They thought it was really great. They couldn't see what I was trying to say there, that this guy did not like what he was seeing on the screen. But they they loved it. But there was a lot of software that came and went that that I just didn't think was was, – there were better things on the market, and they Mm -hmm. were just trying to put something out, you know, and Mm -hmm. and I – and I, I don't like that. I like software that's really going to do something and, and yeah. enhance enhance the, the creative flow. And there was a lot of software which I just thought shouldn't be on the market. That one came and went yeah, uh, and, and went nowhere. When yeah. it seems like the features now, this isn't true, but like I'd say like maybe a significant percentage of these features that are being added seem to like really want to help you do something and then get out of the way. Because again, these programs being evolved over these years, like you can do so much. And therefore sometimes like, man, I look at my artboard or project and it's like, it's covered in panels and options and tools, things that I use all the time. But you know, it's the ones that like I can bring in and then get out of the way. Like that's what I value, especially as I get further along in my career, I'm way more interested in the features that like help my process, help my time, things that can do, you know, accomplish things faster yeah. Um, but you know, we're in this like sort of digital renaissance, not even renaissance now, it's just full blown like industrial digital revolution. Here. But <laughs> every you know, day, I, I do wonder like when, where do you see Photoshop or, or even in any of these sort of software applications for creation, you know, in the future? Cause I think I look at things like motion, I look at things like you know, augmented and virtual reality, AR. these things that exactly. are being yes. heavily yes. invested in our industry that are bleeding into like. You know, a designer now sometimes has to be like, I need to know, mo- you know, motion graphics or something. But yeah, I'm curious, yeah. like having, you know, you've seen so much of the just the evolution of every, uh, this whole medium. You know, are there any where do you see it kind of going mm-hmm. maybe in the next five, 10 years? Where do you think the shift might be that next big push for us creatives? Well, I'll tell you, um, let's just look at the um, selling a product. Yeah. OK, Uh Back in the day, you relied on a magazine article or a newspaper uh, uh, ad, um, and if you had the money, a little TV commercial. Yeah. Whereas now you got the web. Okay, mm. you can sell your ad all over the world. You can have your ideas all over the world instantly. Okay, and the fact that the entire world is connected 
is making a tremendous new market for visual artists. Mm-hmm. You know that a picture's worth a thousand words? Okay, well, when your thousand words can't be understood by somebody in a country that doesn't speak your language, but the picture will, okay? Yeah. Yeah. So it, the need for visuals has become a lot stronger, and, and the entire world is going towards visual. We rely on visuals for everything. Mm-hmm. Okay, weather maps, you know, right, like right now here in California, we got all the, the fires and, and stuff. So we have all these maps showing you air um, uh, conditions and so on all mm-hmm. over in different neighborhoods. So everything's visual. Everything's become a thing of visuals. It's not just a bunch of data. People rely on the pictures because they get it a lot faster. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So selling products, telling ideas, uh, um political statements, whatever. It's all become a thing of graphics at this point Mm -hmm. because it's all done visually. Even if it's a a simple um, jar, you know, of of a hand cream, there's something on it. It's not just going to say hand cream. It's going to have a nice little picture of a little flower or something. So there's still the need for the designers to make something look good. Okay? You can't, by putting a flower on something doesn't make it look good. If you do it tastefully mm-hmm. and and you're selling spaghetti sauce the flour doesn't make any sense but you know it's you still need to think things through but visual is more important today than words because yeah, the, the visual tells a story and and with things like augmented reality and virtual reality there's a whole new world for entertainment games are getting there there's going to be a time where you watch a movie by being in it you know, mm-hmm. that's, yeah. that's coming soon. So the need for visual effects and, and visual work is growing at an incredible pace. And it's just, it's not going to stop. No, yeah, not, exactly. not yeah. going to stop. Yeah. Unless the world, the climate changes so much that we're not around anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, sure, um, yeah. It's not going to stop. Yeah. yeah. How do so, you how do you inspire the young creatives to, to not only get that and understand it, but then reach for something different or new or what are best practices that they could be doing now to be ready for that? Particularly even, let's say, after we get through everything we're going through right now, and I, I totally agree with you, communicative art is going to be more important than ever. Well, one thing right? I, give, I give my classes is uh, one of the jobs that I give them is I, um, I will give them an assignment, okay? After they've learned the tools and, I, okay, it's time for an assignment. I'll give them an assignment that's not necessarily appealing. <laughs> oh, yeah, I want to draw that. Because the client isn't always going to give you something yeah. that you want to do. Absolutely. So I'll give them something that's that's important and is going to require some thought. So that way, okay, so now you got the skills. Now you got to develop your brain, yeah. all right? So I give them a job that's going to be difficult that's going to require them to think to solve the problem and how to tell that story in the visual okay yeah and that's one way i i, I get them inspired so now they have to think oh i i gotta they probably go home and tell their girlfriend or whatever and say oh you know what i gotta do i gotta do this stupid <laughs> thing but then they have to sit there and think about it right and i've right. gotten some incredible projects from people because yeah, they really, yeah they had to pass the class and and they would see this and and they would tackle it the way they're supposed to they would think the think it through how is it going to best tell it and i give them you know it's not just a computer it's the, the whole thought process mm-hmm. how to how to sell something and and sometimes talking to people just getting reactions of your idea when i have an idea for something i would pass it to other people i'm too close to it i might be missing something mm-hmm. so i'll show it to somebody what do you think of this and they'll give me the opinion then based on those opinions i'll see where where i should take this so um it's important for them to tackle something that they wouldn't normally tackle. If it's something they normally tackle, that's the easy way out. Oh, yeah. sure, I can act this off. But if the client says, I want this, and it's something they've never done before, well, they have to think about it. Yeah. So I give them a job that, that's totally something they wouldn't have thought of, and <laughs> then it, they'll, they'll have to come up with a solution and, and, and render it and create it. I so mean, that's, that's one thing fantastic. I've done. I, that, yeah. That's reality, too. That's a great learning where, yeah. yeah, you know, we're constantly having to problem solve or like, you know, create solutions out of things that we one maybe not be experts in that we have to learn and understand and strategize. Yeah. And then like, how do you make something that isn't as engaging, you know, as something else that you might want to do? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you actually connect with that? And, and and I think those kind of exercises, like that's the day to day, like that's the reality, especially as you know, a lot of us here are freelance designers, very, you know, less than I'd like, like I'm working on projects that might not be my favorite thing, right? 
Mm -hmm. uh, and you got to find a way to make that like as engaging. But I kind of like those parameters, those sort of like those hurdles. You know, the problem. Yeah, yeah, another one I've I've given them is um, I will get an existing ad or poster or something. And usually something that I didn't particularly like. And I, I would tell them, you know, how would you do this? How would you approach this? And I would find something that was bad. So that it would definitely require a little extra work, and uh, and I'd give it to them, and then they would have to come up with a whole new concept to s- tell the same story, to tell it better, mm-hmm. to to be more visually attractive, to be something mm-hmm. that you know when you, when you uh, do a little test for yourself, you know, just thumb through a magazine and see what pops out that like ooh wow what makes you stop thumbing through the pages to look at a particular thing what is it about that is it the color most likely it's the subject in most cases but what is it visually that made it jump out at you in the first place Mm -hmm. okay so flip through the pages don't just turn the pages flip them so they pass by fast and see the ones that come out at you and then look at what made it do that so once you understand the process of, of thought that went into that particular visual, helps your own reasoning and your own sense of how to approach a problem and how to solve that problem as best as possible. That's great. Those are uh, beyond building blocks for, I think, where what it will continually be a part of our job wherever it goes in the future, right? Yeah. It's yeah. are you striking an emotional chord? Are you doing something in there? Yeah. Hopefully, even with like you said, in just the subject matter, the image alone, not even the type or the copy. You know, like right. how is that happening? And breaking that down with a student, uh, I'm going to have to maybe pick your brain on that, Bert, because I, I'm going to do that with my students. I tend to give them things that I know they're going to really respond to, just to get them engaged. But yeah. you're right, challenging them with something that is a real world pr- problem that you know we have every time. Like you were saying, Jordan, we might have some work we're working on that's not <laughs> exactly in our wheelhouse, but that's the real world. Yeah. You know? Well, you just mentioned some the the copy and, 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 and the headlines and stuff. Well, when you're thumbing through a magazine real quick, you don't see the copy in the type. Mm-hmm. That, the, the picture, the color, something mm-hmm. in that thing is going to jump out at you, forcing you to then read the, the copy. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. If the headline is striking enough, it'll force you to read the copy. You're not going to go through a magazine mm-hmm. just looking for copy. You're looking for things that are going to jump out at you. So yeah, the, uh, yeah. the interpretation's faster yeah. <laughs> with that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So you want to attract attention. When you're going down the street and there's all these posters plastered on a construction site, you know, which one of those jumps out at you? Which one caught your eye and drew your attention? Mm-hmm. What is yeah. it about it? And, that, and that's what's important because that's what you want to do. You want to capture the audience. You want them to look at your thing, whether you're selling something or an idea. you got to get them to notice you, okay? Yeah. Like yell and say hey look at me you know it's that kind of thing so, and, and so your artwork can't be just oh just something real pretty you know because most people just pass it by but if it's something that is really pretty and then jumps out at you mm-hmm. then that's then then you're solving yeah. the problem and that's Amazing. what clients are looking for oh, yeah, looking for it. to capture the audience attention and that's your job to draw that attention yeah yeah that's exactly it man yeah. well i, I think look- we could ridiculous challenge every single project but it's an awesome challenge yeah. every single time as well yeah. and you learn i think the more you learn with each one boy like like you were saying earlier about how you you've learned the value of every little change you made with being more uh uh strict with your folder names and everything else in your yes. organization and i i think that's the one thing that a lot of young designers can really learn from is these lessons of like you have to learn that on your own to see the value it brings for your next project yeah yeah, and, and hopefully you'll learn it before it's too late. I got to some people say, and I, and so I just true. see just their desktop, you know, right at the, mm-hmm. well, like five million folders and stuff. No, it's it, how do you find things that way? Okay, there is a find feature, but why clutter up the desk exactly. like that? So if everything's put into proper folders that make it easy to find things, being organized is important, especially because of the fact that, uh, um, there's so many elements to a particular piece. Mm-hmm. Being able to find them and knowing where they are and knowing where they are so that you could possibly reuse them uh, or update them a year from now, whatever. Because that's always going to happen. That's yep. always going to happen. So it's very, and it's a lot easier than having 15 file cabinets. You just have it all right there on, on your hard drive. There's and the advantage, uh, right? It's, yeah. not, it's not physical space. It's just this 
digital space and the yep. better, you know, I know it too. Every time you make a, a, a new format or something, you're like, ah, this is making life so much easier and yeah, I will need road. that file one day. So name it better, right? Yeah. How <laughs> often do clients come and ask yeah. you for something, you, you know, maybe a year later, mm-hmm. like, oh God, if you can't find that, because we're supposed to be sort of these like stock keepers of all this stuff too on our end. Yeah. yeah. File management is, I think, one of the key things that, at least for me, I wasn't doing in the beginning. Uh, and I had to learn that hard way a little bit, but yeah. now it's like it's my favorite stuff to get into. I love that yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's a, and and staying organized is. I had a friend who uh, uh, when I look at his files and and they had the ridiculous names. I said, "Why do you name? What huh. it's what I felt at the time." Oh God! Well, well how about a, a year from now? You don't feel that. How yeah. are you going to find that job? Slightly you know? hungry like, final final. Yeah, that, exactly it. that kind of stuff. And, oh and that's that's you got to be organized if you, <clears throat> to keep track of things, especially since you can accumulate so much data. Mm-hmm. It's very important to be organized. Yeah, and, and it might be a little difficult at first, but once you get a, a get into the habit of it, uh, it, it should become really easy yeah the minute you the minute you save something oh it's automatic yeah it goes into a folder you put it somewhere and and there there it is so you can find it tomorrow (laughs) yeah Yeah. well man Bert, i think we could talk to you we we should make a follow-up because i i think we could we could really build a great episode hey i could talk for days oh my (laughs) absolutely oh we i i completely can see in the way that you express yourself that you absolutely could go on and on. And that's what passion is all about. And and maybe it's our first, our first video one. I'd love to do a video episode. Yeah. Oh, that'd be cool. I could show all kinds of stuff. Oh Oh my gosh. I mean, like this would be amazing. So let's even like personally, I'd like that. Oh my God. Audience outside. Yeah. (laughs) No, it's a win. It's a win, win. But in all honesty, what this encapsulates that's a benefit for us as hosts as well as our listeners is that it's that technical shop talk mm-hmm. combined with the creative nature of any given project. Yeah. And we have received feedback through and through that it's a nice balance between those yeah. areas. Yeah. Yeah. Got to get there. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Bert, where can people find more information on you? Plug away whatever you, you want to get out. Uh, well, BertMonroy.com. That's, that's my site, B-E-R-T. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there's a link there to my YouTube channel where the making, of, the, the <laughs> making of Times Square, uh, which originally came out from Linda.com, now LinkedIn Learning, um, they took it off uh, a couple of years ago. It's 14 hours of, of training there. Whoa. So I, I, I convinced them to let me put it out so i put it so now it's free for 14 it's hours of free okay that's it's awesome. on my youtube okay. channel so there you can see how how to get beard stubble and yeah. how to <laughs> no fantastic how to create that eye with the reflection in it you know with all the, right. the iris oh my god that's all in there so um it, it's it's 14 hours of training and i will be putting all kinds of us other stuff i haven't done much of it uh this whole year i've been stuck in my studio but i'm Instead of doing those kind of things, I've been painting. Yeah, I'm, I'm just about finishing my fourth painting of the year. Oh my gosh, and, um, great! So that's I just get really caught up in it. And when this one's done, I probably throw a bunch of stuff onto you, the YouTube channel and stuff. Excellent. But um, but that's best way is to just to go to bertmonroy.com. Awesome. Oh. And and we'll we'll make sure to link that in the show notes for listeners. If you want to see all any of the work we talked about, especially that Times Square one, we'll definitely post that as well. You can yeah find that in the show notes. And definitely check out Bert's work. It's unreal. <laughs> Great stuff, man. Well, thanks so much, Bert. We really appreciate it, man. And good luck with everything you're going to do at Max. Um, and we will schedule that follow-up because I, I can't wait. It'll be a blast. Okay, cool. I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Good to thanks talk for your to time, you guys. Bert. Thank All you. Right. Thanks very much. Good luck. Bye.